0: What's up, everybody? This is the Disciple Makers podcast brought to you by discipleship.org. Today, we're going to be diving into Lion Share's track sessions from the most recent forum we just had, and you're going to be hearing from Dave Buring. He's talking to us about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a real thing, and Jesus has actually provided us with the weapons that we need to win when we're in the midst of it. Are you equipping the ones that you are discipling to fight against enemy schemes? Because I can guarantee you the enemy is fighting against them currently. You've heard about the armor of God, but have you ever considered which of the devil's weapons work best against you and those you are discipling? Let's listen in to Dave as he encourages us today and gives us some practical tools on how to start engaging in the spiritual battle. Here we go
1: so i want to introduce i introduce you guys to some of our staff so laurie once you kind of wave your hand so this is laurie jarvis tomorrow we're going to do a session on discipling kids and we've just launched something that goes with our adult edition for primarily six to ten year olds although there's a fudge factor from five to twelve in there but it's it's really practical on how do you how do you disciple your kids in the ways of God? And so, um, so anyway, that's Lori. She helped us develop that, and she'll be sharing with me tomorrow. So um, where did Laura go? This is Laura. She is um, one of our administrators for what we call uh, the leadership games. Um, at the very end today, I'll tell you a little bit about that, but it's an opportunity for 40s to 70s. To disciple 20s and 30s, both spiritually and vocationally. So connecting government leaders who are godly with a 25-year-old that says, one day I want to be a governor. All right, let's start walking together and shape you in the ways of God now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we'll tell you a little bit about that at the end. So I introduced you to some of my other team already. So thank you for being here today. And um, they always come to us about three months before the forum and say, what topics... Do you guys want to address? And so tomorrow we'll address this practical thing about discipling children. Tomorrow morning we'll talk about uh, discipling within the vocations. Like, how do you, because I don't know if you know this or not, but disciple making is not just meant to be in the church. That's right. Like, the way you shape society is to walk with people who love Jesus, who serve in different roles of society. So when they have to make decisions, they reference God's ways or how God has us do things. All right, so that's a lot of what Lionshare Share does. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. And then, uh, but on the front end, kind of as the book ends, I thought, I want to do two topics that I'm seeing people crashing into these days. It's the one tonight on spiritual warfare, and then the last one tomorrow is on relinquishing rights. We have a generation, meaning all of us, not just younger, all of us that grab onto our rights. And yet in Philippians 2, Jesus relinquished all his rights to come in the form of man. What does that look like? And so oftentimes when I'm speaking to young missionaries who are in their 20s and 30s, you know, we'll literally have a... Create kind of an altar in the front, and they'll come down and they'll lay down their rights to their friends. They'll lay down their rights to their reputation. They'll lay down their rights to finances. So they because if we don't lay down our rights, we're not free to follow Jesus. Okay. So tomorrow we'll talk about that. So we wanted to. What's that? Uh,
2: you'll have to look programs. Can you give us a brief? Real.
1: so so that's yeah in our fourth session so the last one tomorrow whenever that is so um so let me let me just start with prayer all right lord jesus thank you for your death and resurrection that we recently just celebrated together and Lord, you have not only called us to love you and follow you, but you have warriored us up.
2: Yes, and
1: sometimes we just don't realize the authority that you have given us. Not in some weird, strange, yelling and screaming way, but just the, the presence of Jesus in us scares the enemy to death. And Lord, as we raise up a a generation of disciples,
2: Lord, often this
1: has been left out. And so Lord, would you help us today to maybe see this at a different angle? So Lord, we ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I was telling some of you in our pregame show, uh, (laughs) so I grew up in the Lutheran church, very grateful for the grounding I had in the word. But it wasn't until I, I became a missionary with Youth of the Mission. So some of you are familiar with YWAM. It's the largest missions organization in the world now. And um, I was there from 18 to 25. I met my wife there. We got married there. Our, our son Ryan was born there in Hawaii. Our daughter Malia got the Hawaiian name. And, and um, so I'm 18 years old by about uh, five months Graduated from high school in June, September, I'm going through this discipleship training school, and in early December, we get put on an outreach team. Some teams went to Maui, some went to Oahu. We were staying on the Big Island of Hawaii, and literally about a 10-minute walk from where our training base was, was Kona Waina High School. It's the high school there on the Big Island of Hawaii on the Kona side. And so as we're getting prepared for this, you know, reaching high school kids, I'm like, i'm like their age right i'm I, like i graduated last year and so we had a team of seven of us and one of our leaders came to us and said hey i need to tell you something that has happened at this high school okay so in hawaii um cheryl and i love hawaii not for the reasons that we always think of hawaii but the people i've walked with a lot of hawaiian people there so we love the people we go back and visit with them and so i go on to this you know we're getting trained for this campus and. The Hawaiian people have a very, um, they're almost more Asian in their spiritual awareness. You know what I mean by that? Like, like in, in Asia, there's just an awareness. If something happens, they often attach it to, there's something spiritual going on. For Americans, it's kind of like, we don't get there very fast. And Hawaiians think that way. So here's the story he tells us. So again, I'm 18, my heritage is Lutheran, I'm grateful, got grounded in the word there. But here's what he says. He said, so up at the high school, there's a kahuna's son. So a kahuna would be like a Hawaiian witch doctor.
2: Mm.
1: There's a kahuna's son that has been having a very public squabble with a very backslidden Christian.
2: Mm.
1: Nothing about faith, but just these two people going back at it. And sometimes it became very public, people watching. And he says, and on this one particular day, the kahuna's kid puts his hand up like this and forms a fireball. Mm. Mm. And he throws it and knocks this kid in the chest. And my leader says, I thought you guys might just want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I have no category. Like, all I'm You're thinking like, is, oh, like, cartoon. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking of a cartoon. You know, I know we call it animation today. But back then we called them cartoons. And that's all I could think of. It's like, that sounds like a. Yes, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And so it's like I'm thinking, this is like a cartoon and I, I don't have a category for it. No category for it. But I gotta tell you, I prayed a lot before I went up on that campus.
2: Because
1: I thought, like, what would I do? You know, it caused me to make sure my heart was in a good yes. place. I'll yes, tell sir. you that. Yes, sir. But it also caused me to be aware that okay. This is a new category for me. And it opened me up in a good way for teaching and discipling to say, okay, what does the Bible say about the enemy? What does the Bible say about how we counterpunch that? Mm. And all of a sudden, as an 18-year-old, I became very alerted to this because it was like, like you know, I was kind of like, do I have the juice to deal (laughs) with that, right? Like it was a whole new category for me. Well, I never ran into... You know, kahuna kid. And, and we showed up on this campus, and there were two girls in the Christian club, and a Christian teacher had said, hey, would you send a team up here? Because the school needs Jesus.
2: Wow.
1: And so there were two... Girls in the Christian club both named Cindy, so it was kind of easy for me, right? <laughs> Cindy, hey, Cindy, what do you think? You know? And God showed up, and within months, the football player, the drug addict, the Kona coffee queen, they all come to Jesus, and we're having 65 kids show up. Wow. And I'm 18, not really knowing what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be obedient to Jesus. Right. And God showed up.
2: Right.
1: And, and during this time, we begin to recognize spiritual warfare. So on this same campus, several years later, there was a teacher who was into s- kind of spiritism stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would have kids leave his class, come next door during their lunch break to what was called the Come Together Club with their eyes this big. And they, his, his name was Mr. Kadang. And Mr. Kadang would do things like stopping the clock. Wow. If he had a sassy pants in the front row, no go. exaggeration, no, he
2: serious. would do this
1: and point at them, lift them up without touching them, and throw them out the door. Like, oh, like no. very real. So the kids, you know, would come, Dave, you know, and their Hawaiian pigeon. Bro, you have no idea. Next door, what happened? You know, and I said, well, what happened? And they would tell me, Kadang, man, he pointed the finger and the guy. So, so we're realizing there's spiritual warfare going on, right? The good news is this man, Mr. Kadang, after people prayed for him for a number of years, gave his life to Jesus. He was the most influential man on that campus because of this spiritual dynamic. And now God did a work in his life. Amen. So, so all of that, you guys, for me, as like Minnesota Lutheran kid, was like, what is this? So I had to begin to dig into the Word, all right? So I wanted to share a, a, a quick story with you. About a decade ago now, I was, I was wrestling with leader friends, like pastor friends, leaders in society, Who, when I saw stuff going on, I was wondering, are they factoring the enemy into this at all? Mm. Because, again, some of you weren't in here, but there's been, hey, pipe down in there. Um, There's been been some extremes in the body of Christ. You have the extreme where there is no devil. Some of you who are a little older will remember a guy by the name of Keith Green. Keith was a a friend of mine, and Keith died early at 28 in a plane crash. But he wrote a song that you can still find out there on iTunes called Nobody Believes in Me Anymore. And it's the devil singing the song. And I've played the greatest trick on people, that nobody even believes I'm around anymore. So, again, you have that side. And then, like I was teasing, you know, the file cabinet drawer doesn't open up, and you bind the devil. No, just take the paper out, right? So you got both of these extremes. So the Bible brings us to a balance. Okay, But I, I was getting a little annoyed with friends of mine, the way I would say it, being dragged under the bus for weeks, for months, for years, and not ever factoring in. I wonder where the enemy of my soul is trying to. In those pictures, Like, just so you guys know where I live, if I'm, let's say I, I know there's something God's asked me to speak on. Let's say I'm coming to the National Disciple Making Forum, and as I'm driving here, I get a flat tire. I will be very balanced. I will call AAA because I have a AAA card. But while they're on the way, I will resist the enemy.
2: right.
1: Not that he necessarily caused the bad tire, but what he's trying to do is get my attitude soured.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, because he kind of is aware, you know, remember, um, like, if if we got to remember that the devil, like, if you look at a period in your Bible, and then we make God the size of the universe, it's still not a big enough contrast. But sometimes we go, God versus the devil. It's not like that. That's right. That's
2: right.
1: It's not like that. I mean, Satan was Lucifer who is in heaven who rebelled against God now you guys for me that's mind blowing because here you're actually seeing and experiencing God and in his presence and yet you still as a created being decide to rebel against God and the bible teaches us that you know a third of the angels decide to rebel with him yeah
2: yeah
1: like how is this possible right. all right but jesus said i saw satan fall like lightning in other words shoo! and and so when you look at the scriptures you have to realize that this this is real yeah. okay and it's nothing it's nothing we need to be afraid of what we need to be able to do is understand it and then equip like imagine this This generation that's rising up behind us, they need equipping on how to be spiritual warriors. And most of it, can I tell you, is done on your knees in prayer. And the other part of it is living your life in a godly way. Because the enemy will do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy, get you on a rabbit trail, all kinds of things. So I'm watching this. All right. So I used to coach high school football. And I learned that you didn't have to yell. You didn't have to scream except that was encouragement, yes. all right? And, and in the midst of that, one of the things that I learned and we would teach our, our players is to play fast, all right? And so if I had linebackers that were thinking too much before they moved, the running back was down the field, and they're like, hey, how did that, you know? So we would, we would give each position, the linemen, the linebackers, the corners, the safeties, three words that all you got to do is you do these three things. And you'll be a success. And so that way, the linebacker would know, Okay, you're going to watch the guards. That's the first thing when the ball is snapped. Where does the guard go? And that's your cue. You can play fast. So we begin to teach them how to play fast. Some of you play fast in the kitchen. You don't need recipes anymore. It's just a little of this and a little bit of that. And it's like, wow, how did you? And you could play fast. Could you imagine a worship leader not playing fast on the guitar?
2: Right, they play fast.
1: You, you know, they're not looking at their fingers. They, just, they can play fast. So you can apply this in different ways. Well, I started applying this with spiritual warfare and saying, are we equipped to play fast? In other words, we recognize it faster. Okay? And so we shared this with our church, our church staff. So I, I have served as a pastor. I'm now an elder in our church. And we were equipping our staff because of just stuff that was going on. We said, just kind of be aware you know, of what's going on. Because God wants us to learn how to play fast and to recognize things so they don't go on and on and on. Let me illustrate this. I wonder how many of us, whether in our families, whether in our lives, there's a... I call... uh, The Bible uses the language strongholds. I call them stuck places. Like I wonder how many of us as men still walk in passivity. Passivity is something that is not, you know, the opposite is not brave heart, paint your face blue and scream freedom. The opposite of passivity biblically is rising up to be responsible for what God's given you. So if we're delegating all the discipling and discipline of our children to our wives, that's walking in passivity. That's not stepping up to what God's asked us to be. And it's a subtle thing. And if we had a dad that was passive and a granddad, that gets passed down to us. And we're walking in passivity. Do you know you can break that off of your life? Jesus, I repent. I, rep- I own this. And I repent. for it. See, then the enemy, through repentance and forgiveness, the enemy has no authority in your life. Got real quiet in here, all right? So, so I, I want you to think of, of stuck places of your own soul, right? Stuck places of your own soul where we can get stuck. Some of us can get stuck in control. And if I can't have my hands on the thing and control it, then I get out of control inside. When Jesus says, trust in me with half my heart, half your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Proverbs preaches? No. Trust in the Lord with half your heart and lean on your understanding. But that's what we do. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, meaning you need wisdom beyond what your eyes see and your ears hear. Okay? And so my desire in some of what I want to share with you today, which all of this is in our tool called a discipleship journey, but it's like, how do you begin to play fast? So let me skip to some of this. Some of you guys know some of these verses, you know, in Ephesians 6, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that and keep alert. And in the Greek, it means to be watchful, attentive and ready with all perseverance. So it's just, it's just being alert. It's not looking for the devil. It's just being alert when you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a little more to this. Okay? 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, calm, collected in spirit, circumspect. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Okay? So it doesn't say he is a roaring lion. It says like a roaring lion. Okay? Jesus is the lion. Of the tribe of Judah. He's the fake lion. He's trying to be that, all right? One of the things that's interesting about Satan's names and titles is it reveals how he attacks. All right? So here he's at Satan means adversary. Devil means accuser. Like, do you ever feel like accused? He just, you know, you're never going to be good enough. You'll never make it. Well, look at compared to them, you're kind of loser. You know, there's all that stuff that he does. Um, the enemy, he's somebody that actually opposes you. But the bigger thing you need to know is he opposes the will of God. And because you're trying to walk it, that's why he goes after you. So, so it's like, just know we are not the epicenter of this. It's the enemy hates God. And he wants to do everything he can to disfigure the image of God in people's hearts and minds so they don't want to follow him. And he's fairly successful at doing that. All right? He's called the God of this world who blinds the eyes of unbelievers. So was talking about praying for people. Like when you understand this, you can say, God, the people I'm sharing Jesus with, would you allow their eyes to see? Remove the blinders. All right. The roaring lion, the prince of the power of the air, the serpent, that kind of sneaky poise. So it helps us see his character yes. and what he's like. And Jesus called him to, you know, emphasize this, a liar a murderer, a thief, and a tempter. So the scriptures reveal how he tends to attack, okay? So what I did is I I did my homework from the scriptures and said, okay, so how do I make this mind easy? Remember I told you that our linebackers, I had three words for them. Okay, our cornerbacks, here's the three things, our defensive ends, here's the three words. So I started thinking this way, how do I help the people in our church, where this started with, Think that way. They can think fast. All right? So you can play fast. So I'm going to give you five words that all start with D. Hopefully, by the time you leave here, you will rehearse them enough that you'll remember them. All right? That of how the enemy tends to attack. And I'm I'm not saying this is be all and end all, but I will say it's 90 to 95% of the time how the enemy tends to attack us. Okay? So the first one is distort. Say it with me. Distort. Distort. All right? You'll note in Genesis 3.1... Like the very first time the enemy shows up in the Bible, these words come out of his mouth. Did God really say? Like he's trying to twist God's character. All right? He doesn't want people to see him because you know what? If you see him for who he really is, you cannot help but fall in love with him. You cannot help give your life to follow him. So if the enemy can get his character distorted... So one of the things we've done with Lion Share, we'll tell you more about this later, but we created a a daily devotional that is two minutes. You can watch it or listen to it. And in a year, you go through 101 attributes of God's character, three to four days each. So you renew your mind from scripture about what God says about himself. So you get that right. So I follow Jesus. This is year 51 for me and year 46 in ministry. And when I hit year 40 in ministry I paused for a morning and I got my journal what have I learned and the number one thing I've learned is this that the enemy wants to distort God's character Because see here's the reality of it the image of God that you carry around in your heart and mind affects how you live your daily life and if if it's distorted from what God reveals about himself in the scriptures you never see it you never see who he is one of the ways I've done that I, I won't Pull out my bible right now but but i took a purple pencil and as i read through my bible i highlighted every name title and attribute of god's character so when i open my bible his character screams at me to remind me who he is he's just he's kind he's faithful he's merciful on and on so we hit 101 attributes over the span of a year three to four days each to help you renew your mind this is a big deal because the enemy We'll try to distort and disfigure the character of God in our hearts and minds. Just know that's a real thing. So like, you know, you're sitting there struggling. And what he's trying to do is, I call it chirping. He's Mm -hmm. chirping in your ear Mm -hmm. to try to get you to be able to look at God differently. He doesn't really love you. Like if he really loved you, he wouldn't allow this to happen. You ever heard that? in your head? So so let me just tell you something. I I share a lot with 20s and 30-somethings is this. Here's a problem as followers of Jesus, we're dealing with right now. We're making judgments on God's character by our circumstances and beliefs. Well, because God doesn't love this, you know, because this is not the will of God. It means God doesn't love, and we're attributing things to God. As a follower of Jesus, even if you don't understand, you always start with who he is in the scriptures and look at that issue through who he is. So when I have a, a boy in our congregation who's 15 years of age, who's got a single mom, several other siblings, and they're ready to go on vacation. And the 15-year-old goes to mom, the oldest, and says, Hey, mom, before we go, our neighbors who've been on vacation, I'm going to take our riding lawnmower over there, and we're just going to go cut the grass. So when they get home, the grass... And she's got, Son, I'm so proud of you. That was the last time she saw him alive. He went over to cut the grass, and no one was there, so we don't fully know. But somehow the lawnmower got an angle the riding lawnmower fell over and he must have bumped his head and his face landed in the the little creek and he drowns. What do you do with that? If you start and go, okay, now I'm going to make a judgment about God. How could he leave that single mom land? You guys, I'm the first one as a pastor to say, I don't know. But it doesn't change God's character. He's still good. He's still faithful. He's still just, I just don't understand it. And when we're talking about the word at this conference, that's where you and I've got to be grounded in the word of what God's character is like. So when I go to that mom, and I didn't, I wasn't the pastor that saw her, but as a pastor, you go to that mom and say, I am so sorry, and weep with her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And say, I don't know, I don't have answers for you, but what I do know is he is with you. And your son who loved Jesus is right now seeing Jesus.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: But you guys, if you, as a follower of Jesus, you never make pronouncements about God's character through circumstances. Right. That is not a follower of Jesus. Right. You start with the word. That's right. And you look at every circumstance. And even if you go, I don't get it, it's okay. But it doesn't change who he is. And the enemy will do everything he can. So the counterpunch is know and declare the character of God from the scriptures and your own real life experiences where God came through for you. Are you guys tracking with me? So when we're talking about the word, this one applies in a big way. So that first one is, okay, let's try this again. The first one is what? (laughs) The second one is distract. Okay? If the enemy can't get you there, one of the things he'll try to do is he'll get you distracted. You guys remember the movie, uh, the animation Up? Yeah. Remember the dog? Squirrels! The enemy does that. And he gets our eyes onto the next shiny thing. And instead of, when, when you know the Lord has said, I want you to do this, I promise you, when it's obeying God, the enemy will try to sway you from that. So it's not hard to go, oh, I know where this is coming from. <clears throat> yes, there's our own flesh and selfishness that you deal with first, but then you've got to address this. What shiny things does the enemy know he can put in front of you? Mm-hmm. When we disciple leaders through something we do called a leadership journey, it's a January to June six-month walk with people. We start the retreat with this question. If you were the devil, how would you take you out?
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's
1: good. You need to think about that question because he knows.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Not because he he's, knows everything, but he's been around humankind for long enough that he knows. Do you understand? If the enemy knows how to take you out... You got to know that, isn't that right, Warrior? Oh, yeah. This man fought for years in the military. He knows these things. Those principles are are true spiritually. It's a it's worth taking a morning or an evening and saying, Jesus, would you help me see if I was the devil? How would I take me out? If you're honest, most of us can answer that in thirty seconds. Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it self? What is it? All the, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. All right. <laughs> so, so by distract, I mean this: the enemy will try to get you to lose focus. All right. He'll cause diversion and commotion. All right. When we, and, and this is language I use a lot: spiritual swirl. Some of you will understand what I mean when I say this. There's times that Cheryl and I find ourselves in situations where when someone says, well, I went in to talk to them about this and I came out more confused than ever. <laughs> Whenever that happens, there's a spiritual swirl around it where the enemy's involved every time. Mm. To not have two people be able to communicate when you're really, and, and all That's it is right. is confusion. I've learned there's, the enemy's got an ingredient in this. Wow. Yeah. Yes. All right, why? Because he wants to He wants to cause commotion, wow. all right? You have Mary and Martha, and Martha, you know, Jesus It's not a big rebuke, but he's just in the moment. He kind of knows, I'm not going to be here very much longer. I'd rather have you sit with me. Yes,
2: that's right.
1: But we can get distracted even with ministry, mm-hmm. even in doing good things. Amen. Yes. Okay? So what's our counterpunch to distraction? It's consistently walking in obedience to Jesus. Here's the way I like to say it. What is the last thing that Jesus showed you to do? Like, I want you to just think about that for 15 seconds right now. What is the last thing you know in your quiet time or through a message on Sunday or as you're talking to the Lord in the car? What is the last thing he asked you to do, and are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Like the greatest way you can get to kind of like the spiritual uh, chiropractic adjustment is go back and answer that question and go do it. Like obedience is the engine of transformation. Like when God tells us something, how often are we shaking our hands at or fists at God for him not doing something when he says, son, daughter, I asked you to do this and you haven't done it. This is why we are where we are. Like disciple making, you guys, is teaching people how to obey Jesus out of love for him. Not of some rigid legalist out of love for him. That's discipleship. That's what Jesus said. Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. All right? And then when distraction arises, go back and obey the last thing the Lord showed you to do. All right? So I want you to catch that. So the first one is? Distort. Second one is? And the third one is? Discourage. 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 I want you to think of this word as meaning removing courage. Some of you came into this room today completely discouraged from life circumstances, maybe a bad day at work today, whatever the case may be. So discouragement can look like the enemy trying to whisper accusation, failure, hopelessness. He's his aim face, just okay. to destroy you.
2: Yeah.
1: All right? He aims to remove courage to obey Jesus. Wow. Like, I love listening to Shadonke. I've heard him now about four times, mm. five times maybe. And the man moves in courage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He does not allow the enemy to discourage him. Yeah. Yeah. All right? When we look at... Elijah, and we see some of the stories there. Like, remember Elijah? Could you imagine calling fire down from heaven? And, and the next scene, in scene, he's like, in our language, just take
2: me out.
1: So, I mean, the good news is if he can be discouraged, that's kind of an identifying point for us, right? But what did God do? God came and met his need practically. Like, one of the things you have to realize, like we just think, why didn't an angel just show up and tap him on the head? No, he fed him remember from birds brought food Mm -hmm. like because he knew dude you're pooped out you need to eat (laughs) yes Lord right (laughs) so so we need to realize that with discouragement it's not just spiritual it can be emotional mental physical Mm -hmm. and recognize that but there is a component where the enemy tries to throw like a wet blanket on you that's just you can't get off And it's it. And so for me, when I'm in that situation, one of the things that I will do is I will put my headsets on and I will worship my way out of it. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. So on
1: my iPhone, I have three worship sets of songs. One is called worship intimacy. One is called worship celebration and one is called worship warfare. And when I feel like I'm under it, I just need about an hour, put those headsets on, and me and Jesus, and all of a sudden, 40 minutes into it, I break through inside.
2: Yeah, right. We've got
1: to learn what it feels like to break through. Yes. Otherwise, you just sit there under it, and it's the merry-go-round. And we're negative Nellies, and we don't have faith. And Guys, it's. can I just tell you, in spiritual warfare, you have to be godly aggressive.
2: That's right.
1: You, you can't, if you're passive, he's just going to, you know, run you all over. You've got to be able to say in the name of Jesus, no. Amen. Like I'm grateful that people think I'm talking on the phone in the car, but I'm not.
2: Because if, if I'm
1: coming into the office and I'm feeling a little of this or that, and I recognize this is not your heart, God, this is not where I want my, and I will just, I will always start with repentance and forgiveness. Lord, I own this attitude right now and I repent for it. And if I need to forgive somebody, I forgive them. But then after I've done those things, I'm clean. I'm clear. So then I can say, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, you know, that is trying to come on me, discouragement or whatever, I resist that in Jesus' name. Sometimes it's just like immediately, boop, it's gone. And I can feel that it's gone. Don't you just wish, like, when you came to this class today... On the way out, you know, our team is there just handing out, like, spiritual glasses. (laughs)
2: Wouldn't
1: that just be so much easier? But we'd freak out. We'd go, whoa, 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 you're going to have them back, right? But to be able to see it that clear. But that's what the Bible teaches us is how to get understanding on this. Okay? So one of the things we need to do is see the big picture. Remember when the servant went out and said, you know, there's there's thousands of, of... And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And then he saw... A chariot of fire. <laughs> we have to be able to sometimes step back and say, "God, remind me of the big picture here." Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. That's
2: right.
1: All right. So, so what was the first one? Distort. Second one. Distract. Third one. Distort. Here's the next one. Deceive. deceive. All right. One of the things the enemy will do is he will deceive. Here's how I like to define deception: a blend of falsehoods mixed with a portion of truth aimed at our vulnerabilities. Oh, okay, so I want you to think about that. All right, a blend of falsehood lies mixed with a portion of truth and then aimed at your vulnerability. Wow. Why? So you bite. You wow. bite them. Okay? When we look at how Jesus was attacked, the enemy, I mean, think of that one-on-one Matthew 4 kind of thing. And how the reality is 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 he went after like Jesus was hungry. The first thing was turn that stone into bread. And when you when you study that, he went after the places where Jesus was vulnerable in that moment after forty days of fasting. Okay? We know how Jesus responded, right? He quoted the word. And he didn't just quote a Bible verse, it was something he knew in That's here right. so he could speak it with authority. Right. Knowing it here doesn't cut it. It's knowing it here. That's right. All right. That's right. Um so here's that question, if you were the devil, how would you take you out, all right? The counterpunch is a commitment to walk in truth. Two things, walking in truth. Like, do you have a commitment to walk in truth? See, that we have to come to that place. Jesus said, the enemy has nothing on me because I'm walking in truth. Guys, we've got to walk in truth. And and if you're not walking in truth, you just, you take the bait and you're walking in deception. Yeah. And so it's a constant thing. You guys, for me, I have always found this as being a, you know, if not daily, every week, God, examine my heart.
2: That's right.
1: Examine my heart. God, show me. Would you convict me? Like, like, let me just ask you this question. When was the last time you had a really good conviction by the Holy Spirit? And if you haven't, sometimes that means our conscience has gotten a little out of whack. And we might need to press in and say, God, would you reveal to me, like, where am I walking not according to your word and your ways? But see, when when you have to realize that's how the enemy gets his hooks in us. It's through sin, it's through believing lies, it's through through embracing the stuck places, and I'm always gonna live here. And that's where he gets his hooks in there. When you're walk when so when you repent for something and you turn from it and you walk away, he no longer has access to try to get you stuck. It's that simple. Guys, we're not talking about demon possession. We're just talking about the enemy, you know how. In Ephesians, it talks about, don't give the enemy a foothold. Yeah. A way to think of that would be like if we're standing at the door there and you're trying to close it, and before he closes it, he just sticks his foot in there. So this, there's this much room where he tries to come to harass you.
2: Mm-hmm. Move
1: that obstacle out of it through penance and forgiveness and slam that door shut. But it's a constant life thing. <coughs> it's a constant being aware of it. One of the things we have to understand is the authority you have in Christ. Like I've found myself in situations where I have had to watch the name of Jesus execute authority. I've watched it with my eyes because I encounter things in the missions world and stuff where you're dealing with the demonic. And all you have to say is in the name of Jesus and boom. So we've got to realize the name of Jesus is more than just Lord. Thank you for the turkey here on Thanksgiving. In Jesus name. Amen. Like you, under, you understand hell shudders. Like we got to come back when the name of Jesus is declared hell shutters because they know every knee will bow and every tongue. They know that we've got to know it. So when you go walking into a situation like like what I often kind of picture this is like is we are loaded with every kind of ammunition we need and we go walking into a jungle and all of a sudden you've got, you know, certain animals coming at you and you just do nothing with it. When you need to protect yourself and your family and you're getting run over and yet you have every weapon you need just to end the thing. That's how we are often as Christians. Like you're loaded for bear, spiritually, but we often don't use it. And so what I want you to do through this is just to see how do I counterpunch? So in this case, it's a commitment to walk in truth. And secondly, is relational accountability. Like, do you have people speaking into your life? Because left to ourselves, we can get deceived. So there's layers that I have of this in my life because I'm needy in this area. So I've got a team of pastors that I pastor with at our church. I've got our lion's share board and staff. I've got three men that I've met with about every four to six weeks since 2006. Why? I don't want to fall. I don't want to bite it. But I need others to say, Dave, like, how's this area? Or I'm watching you drift over here into a place that's not... Like, do you have people like that? If you don't, get them. And if you don't, go start a group. That's what I did with Jim, Dan, and Bruce. Guys, 2006, I want to finish well. I know you do, and I don't want you dragging my butt across the finish line. I want to run. And they said, we're the same place. So we meet, and we... we laugh and all that for the first you know, bit as, as we're eating breakfast. But then one of them will say, so Jim might say, so Bruce, how are you? And we each have a turn to just unload yes, good, right. bad, and ugly. Yes, Do you have that? That's a preventative to this. Like we've got in the body of Christ now, we're talking about the word at this conference. Do you understand in the body of Christ now right, that there are people that are teaching that there is no hell? No, yeah. Not that that's something we delight in, but the reality is, do you understand what that means? It means the cross of Jesus means nothing. That's what it means. But we have spiritual leaders, godly people in our land who've been deceived to believe this, that, hey, in the end, God loves everybody so much, he's just going to say, no, come on, everybody in surprise. Then the cross means nothing. And and so when we're talking about the word here at the conference, we've got to realize We've got to be in the Word and be grounded in it, and let the Word continue to have its way in our hearts and minds and lives to root out deception. Like, can I just be honest with you? Standing here today, I am so deceived in areas of my life. I don't even know where I'm deceived. You know why I know that? Because all of a sudden God reveals something, and I went, "Oh, I followed you for 50 years. Why are you bringing this up now?" Which meant I was deceived to not even see it. Every one of us has to realize realize that our hearts, Jeremiah, are desperately sick and wicked. Who can know it? And so we just need to let Jesus show us those places. Okay? So let's review the first four. Distort. 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 Distract. Distract. Discourage. Discourage. Deceive. And this one won't be a surprise to you. Divide. Divide. And by dividing, I mean two things. I mean separating relationships. And let me, let me underscore this one because I'm seeing it more operating independently. Where you just kind of are the loner, not letting anybody kind of come alongside to challenge, to encourage. All right? Satan cannot defeat a united church. Now, just think about this with me. This is why the enemy tries to divide the body of Christ in your community, in your city, where you live. Because like, he knows. If they get united and there's one common punch coming my way, i got to be gone. So he stirs the pot. And that's where we have to realize, hey, I'm not walking that way anymore. Like, are you a source of division that the enemy actually uses? Yes, you love Jesus. But are you a tool with your mouth and your actions that the enemy uses and you didn't even realize? That's right. The counterpunch is Ephesians 4. It says, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You can tell you're walking in unity because even though you might differ on things, there's peace in your relationship. There's peace. And so are we those people that maintain the unity? It also talks about, in 2 Corinthians, about being agents of reconciliation. Are we attempting to reconcile with other followers of Jesus when things are out of sorts? Or is it like, loser, sorry, bud, bye-bye, see you in heaven, what?
2: <laughs> okay?
1: And so the enemy, this is another way that he goes after this, is he tries to divide us. Okay? So kind of if we look at it in summary, so same with me. Distort, distract, distract discourage,
2: discourage, deceive, divide. divide. And I'm
1: not telling you this is a be-all, end-all, but what I am telling you is, in my own journey in the scriptures, I see 90 to 95% of the way the enemy attacks can be summarized by these. So remember where I started about playing fast. I, so here's how I want this to look to you. So this is my way of playing with it. So, you know, some of our, we've got some of the Marvel comic stuff out there, you know, like Iron Man. I want you to think of this thing as right here, these five. And when you need it, you just go, and you go, okay, right now, right now, what's going on is distract and divide. It's this one and this one. Now you know what to do. I want you to add a lens in your life. So it's not just, oh, you know, they just suck and that's too bad that happened. Like, like, do you understand? Like, guys, I served as a missionary for a number of years and not every nation that's a closed nation you're supposed to walk away from. You're supposed to go into it because God's calling you to. So a breakthrough can happen. And, And we've got to learn to listen to the Lord. And pay attention to what he's saying. And, and this is one of those things I just want to encourage you. And, and again, I'm not trying to sell books. I'm just telling you in, in Discipleship Journey, which is our, it's our one-year discipleship tool, there's a whole section in here on spiritual warfare, and this stuff we're talking about today is in there. So these five different things. But, but could you imagine coming alongside some of your friends who you walk with and who you love, and you together say, like my buddies, we stack hands Let's fight for each other. So we saw an image one time that was very helpful to us. And what it was was four men with their backs to each other with a little space in between. But they are all looking outward like this for each other. So they have the whole ground covered. So no matter where it was coming, that's what we need to have as men and women. Like ladies, who are your lady warrior friends? Guys, who are your men warrior friends? That they'll be honest enough with you to say, dude. The way you talk to your wife is not
2: godly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
1: Who will say, I know you, and I know you have a call on your life to help the poor in our city, and why are you dinking around with stuff over here, and why aren't you doing that? We need people out of love. And, and like, here's a, here's a common saying we, we say in lion's share is this. To the degree you have relationship with someone, to that same degree you have authority to speak into their life. Wow, right. If you don't have to see, and we cross boundaries right now with social media and all kinds of stuff. We do not live in that principle. But the only way you have authority to speak in someone's life is because you have a relationship with them and they invite you. Okay. And so that's why relationships are so important. Because if you don't have a relationship, then when you say it to them, they're just all whatever. But if they know you love them, and you've proven it over time, and you speak something hard, they can hear it. So that's where, are, do we have relationships? So ask yourself the question, do you have relationships that, like that in your life where you've used language, something like, hey, I just want you to know you have the freedom to speak into my life. You gotta find people like that, otherwise you set yourself up here for the enemy to whoop. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, so it's really important. That we let Jesus do these kinds of things in our lives. All right. In discipleship journey, we li- we break these all down. But ten weapons of warfare. You want to take a picture of that if you want.
2: But but everything from
1: you know the, it all starts with living a godly life. All right. The armor of God. Inner, so these are ways in Scripture. Ten different weapons that, depending on the situation, you can pull out. Right. And be ready. Be ready to execute warfare as you need them. Okay, so so that's something that, you know, we just didn't have time for today. So Ephesians 4.27, give no opportunity to the devil. This is Paul speaking. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. All right. I love this. So Revelation 12.10. So think about this, what this says. And they have conquered him. This is the enemy. By the blood of the lamb, meaning Jesus mm-hmm. sacrifice for us mm-hmm. by the word of our testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives and they love not their lives even unto death. In other That's words, right. you surrendered right. Right. You surrendered it all to He is the Lord That's of right. your life. That's right. So it's like this is this is huge and, and this is talking at this time this is like the body of Christ. yeah this is how we're going to overcome
2: That's right.
1: and, and we've got to start linking arms together, okay? And we've got to walk together because the enemy wants to take your city out. And we've got to learn that God wants to lead and guide us in a way that we can walk together as one. Does that make sense? Okay, so we've got about 15 minutes. There's about five minutes I want to share some stuff with you. But questions. What questions do you have? So feel free to ask questions. Yes,
2: ma'am. So I have a question. When
3: you're walking in truth and it brings... Division. Yep. How do you reconcile that with the emotion? And like, it's it's very personal for me. Because I saw leaders that I'm under who are not holding themselves accountable to the word. Yep. And though I believe God told me to resign from a ministry position, I'm still waiting for reconciliation, not of the job, right? But of the The relationship. Yes. Yes. And then there there's a level of accountability that I think that needs to happen because people are being hurt across the yes. board. So
1: how do you Yeah, I just I'm in the midst of walking through a situation like that mm-hmm. with the church. Yeah. And um, and I won't get into the specifics of it, but yeah. there's that kind of dynamic. Yeah. And here's the thing we have to realize. First it goes back to our own hearts.
2: Yes.
1: Right? We've got to make sure our own hearts are in a right place of forgiving. Uh, whatever the case may be yes. secondly it takes two to reconcile
2: yes. mm. yeah. and
1: and there are there's a dear friend of mine I'm still waiting on that yeah. and yeah. and I'm not pushing I'm just praying yeah. and and tell right. because here's the thing until someone else sees it That's right. like they they need to see it they can't own it,
2: yeah. it. that
1: that helps me because I just kind of and I don't mean that in a weird way I just mean right. I know how to pray God would you just show them That's not right. that I'm better than them but That's just right? God, would you show them? Because this, this should not be this way. That's right. um, but to try to force it, it just yeah. never goes well. Right. And yeah. you, we just have to, we have to pray. Um, you know, we resist the enemy over all, me and them. And Jesus saying, right. God, would you just show? Would you just show we can walk together again? And one of the things that I've, I don't like this at all, <laughs> but I've had to realize, and this shouldn't, what I'm about to say, don't, don't mistake this for us ever quitting. But one of the things that I realize is there's a difference uh, between um, what I call um, reconciliation mm-hmm. and redemption. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation, here's how I look at this. If I ended up in a situation where I was having communion, could I have communion with them? Yeah. Meaning the blood and the, right, yeah. the juice in the cup. Ah, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. Got you.
1: Because if I can't, I haven't reconciled with it. Yeah. By redemption is meaning God restoring that relationship. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. There's a
1: difference. Yeah. And, I, and here's what I don't like. I'm realizing, just watching things for a lot of years, there are some of those relationships that may not meet redemption on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that doesn't mean that God's not big enough. It means we are human enough. Right. Right. Does that mean we stop praying and stop no never but 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 some of those things cuz you know when you get into heaven and we all see Jesus we're all going to go so what, right? This is awesome. Good to see you. I mean, it's like, it's going it's to be awesome, all right?
2: Because
1: we, we won't care about, like, think about that. I always say, you hey, know, it'll be interesting when we get to heaven. We can talk through that issue. I think in heaven we're going to hear a lot of this, oh, right? It's like, oh, oh, I didn't see it that way before. And when we're with Jesus and, and all that, like, we are not going to care about all the stuff that happened. Thank the Lord for that, Right. But it doesn't mean living on this planet that we shouldn't be moving to that. Why? Because it, the, the redemptive story glorifies the name of that's Jesus. Right. Amen. It just does. Amen. All right? But, but some of you are walking in that place where you've been trying for years, and that's where you have to surrender it.
2: Yeah.
1: That doesn't mean you stop praying. You just give it, like, surrender means I'm not controlling it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving it back to God, and yeah. I'm asking Him to help lead and guide us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great. Does that help? Yes, it does. Good, good, good. Thank good. You. Yeah. Yes, sir.
3: One more really painful element, which is find somebody you trust that knows the situation, knows them, and ask, is there any part of this? That's
1: involved? Yes.
3: What, what do I own in this? Yeah. So that if God ever brings them around, you're ready to, to deal with. They say, you know, you hurt me deeply yeah. when you did X, Y, Z. I found out an enemy of mine in the church. I couldn't understand why this whole family turned against me. Yeah. Found out four and a half years later the day of my moving sale to move on. And I wasn't believing because of them. Mm-hmm. But I finally found out why. I'd forgotten to thank her publicly for something she'd done. Mm-hmm. And there was some real immaturity, but it was like, oh my Lord, I didn't mean to hurt you. But that's and the
1: enemy jumps,
3: jumps on it. Out. Yeah. Four and a half years of no enemy. But I didn't even know. Yeah. And she wasn't mature enough to come and
1: talk to me. Right.
3: <clears throat> uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just let me repeat this for the recording. So, so the suggestion, which is a great one, is, is ask somebody to help you see if there's any piece you're missing when you're out of sorts with somebody. So that's really a good word. Yeah, you guys, but, but that's a great illustration of how the enemy, like he's like I view it this way. It's like I have friends that ride horses and they have a saddle stand. You know what I mean by that? They put their saddle on there. And I always think it's like the enemy's just sitting there. <laughs> waiting to get that saddle on me to ride me into the ground,
2: <laughs> right?
1: And so that's what's happening here. It's like, here's this little thing. We think little thing of not saying thank you, that the enemy has driven this huge wedge. Yeah. But see, that's who he is. Jesus said he's a liar. He's all this stuff. And so we have to not be surprised anymore, like, oh, okay, yep. But humility, you guys, humility is the key to reconciling like i want you just to think about so when you see the cross from now on don't just think of it only how you do which is awesome but also recognize it's a symbol of humility the creator crucified by his creation like the ultimate humbling of himself and humility is the like the i'm sorry's i gotta own this part
2: yeah
1: because we're really good at this And we've got to learn to say, start with me. God, is there anything in my heart? So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Sir?
3: There's a couple in our small group that's dealing with some sinful choices being made by the husband. And there's a, going back to when you said, you know, the the concept of repenting and then slamming the door on that. But then that temptation that he's been given into for the last 25 years roars its ugly head yes. again. And it comes back. Can yeah. You speak to that yeah. recurring event? No, that's that's way? awesome.
1: So when I see that, I'll tell you what goes off first in me from Scripture is that's called a spiritual stronghold. Yeah. Okay. And what I mean by that is a stuck place. So it's not just, and just work with me on this, it's not your common everyday ordinary sin. Yeah. You're stuck. It's like your foot is now in cement, wet cement that is dried, and you can't. And so Cheryl and I sometimes will pray with people who are stuck like that. And what we'll do is we'll lead them through a process where we'll, we'll start with, okay, is there anything, Holy Spirit, so just think of like Cheryl and me and this person sitting in a room will say, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to reveal yeah. that they need to own? And then, they're, of course, they're in a place, and then all of a sudden, you know, they start seeing it because the Lord just starts revealing, I've done this and I've done this. Yeah. And then once, you know, once we think we're done, I'll say, just listen for a little bit more. Lord, is there anything else? And sure enough, there's usually one or two other things. Because God will go, he'll be faithful to go after it if their heart is there. Once that's done, we'll say, okay, let's switch gears. Lord, is there anybody they need to forgive? And then we go down that path. And and I got to tell you, you can watch the weight lift up. And then once that happens, then Cheryl and I, sometimes I'll just do this because, and particularly if it's with a guy, hey, why don't you just stand up? And kind of get in a little bit of a fighting position. And I want you to resist the enemy now. So let's just say they were stuck in fear. And they they repented, God, I've been walking in fear. Like the Bible says not to walk in fear. Perfect love drives away fear. And so let's say they've repented for fear and they've been stuck. They haven't stepped into things God's wanted them to because they're bound in fear. They own it in repentance. Maybe you have to forgive somebody who helped kind of get them into that. So now they're done. So then we'll just say, okay, resist the enemy. So it's this simple. In the name of Jesus, I cut off fear from my life. And I say, you have no authority here anymore. Once you do that, like you got to understand when you are walking in fear, you just give him access to feed your mind. But once you say, in the name of Jesus, I cut you off. And then it's kind of like a root comes out. And of course the enemy comes knocking again. But you know what? Once the root comes out, you see it. And so you start... Feeling it, and you go, whoa, 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 I know what this is. In Jesus' name, fear, you will not have right, your way with it. Right. So that's oftentimes how we'll respond to it. And so repentance and forgiveness leads to a place then of the heart being able to exercise authority against the enemy. So let me do this, because uh, time, I know it's like this has been a late conference, I know. So, so you guys, let me um, just on Lion Share, we have a table downstairs, we've got stuff here, but just so you know, this is the manual that I've been teaching out of tonight. Um, We have a book on making disciples in every vocation. It's a topic I'll talk about tomorrow morning. Um, We have something I spoke of uh, to you, our January to June leadership development thing we do. You come to Nashville in January and March. I ask for five hours of your time every week to watch, read, and listen to stuff. And then every other week we're on a Zoom call processing it. So I usually have between 12 and 18 leaders a year that I do. So if that's something of interest to you, you can reach out to us, uh, and then the Lionshare app. If you go on Lionshare Leadership Group on your App Store, you'll find that app where I talked about the attributes of God's character. One hundred and one attributes covered three to four days each over a year. That's free. Just download that, start using that as a devotional. Um, this is one of the things I just want to emphasize to you. So, one of the big things that we're doing with Lionshare. Is we are mobilizing people in their 40s to 70s to disciple people in their 20s and 30s spiritually and vocationally. So we're matching business leaders like George, who's been a business leader, with younger leaders, or Darren, who's been in government, with younger leaders, or Laurie, who's been a children's pastor, or Mel in in the media. You know, we're matching them with younger ones. So what we're doing this summer in Nashville. Is for five days at Lipscomb University we're doing an event that allows the stickiness of relationship to happen so in the mornings we're dealing with discipleship topics like this for 20s and 30s and then in the afternoons they're together in teams and this year we're doing with these vocations business the church government law and nation security which would be police attorneys military um, health medicine and wholeness so it's counselors and doctors and then Uh, arts, entertainment and media. And those are the ones we're dealing with this year. So what we're doing is we've created an imaginary city called Hebron Hills. It's got 375,000 people and it's got problems. And so we're going to take the younger, fresh perspectives and the older, wiser season and put them together and say, here's the business problem in Hebron Hills. No democratisms or republicanisms. This is about Jesus, his ways, in his word. How do we fix this? There you go. Then at night, we're dealing with three kind of lightweight topics, politics, race, mm-hmm. and gender identity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: and, and the idea is not only understanding what God's word says about them, but how do I walk in relationship as a yes. godly person yes. with with people who are different than me.
2: That's right, yeah.
1: so, so I want to tell you this for two reasons. Number one, if you're in your 40s to 70s, and you'd say, I would love to be, because we take a year and disciple you to be ready to serve 20s and 30 something wow. We just finished our first year. Yeah. We're just starting our batch of second year. Yeah. And on top of the five I told you that are here, we're adding family. And education
3: yes, I was wondering, where yes. Education? yeah so we so we
1: can only we can only add as we have yes. enough right yes. so we've got science and technology yes. and other ones that are coming online in the years to come yes. but yes. but yes. if you would like to be a part of something like this see George over here in the yellow shirt and say hey, I'd love to know more about that all right yes. but here's something we need your help on because as people who are learning about disciple making we we're asking you to think about 20s and 30s in your life mm-hmm. who love Jesus, who would love to have an older leader, season God, and evil, walk with them to disciple them spiritually and vocationally. And if any of you in this room are in your 20s and 30s, you go, I will come see Darren, the guy in the red shirt back there, or see Laura right here in the, in, in the black jacket and tell them, I would like to come to this. You guys, it is going to be awesome. We've got awesome worship leaders. Some One of the names I'd throw out there, I'm not going to, but you would know this worship leader. So they're going to experience the presence of God in worship. They're going to deal with topics in discipleship that is going to challenge their lives. They're going to, in the afternoons, be with these further along godly leaders and vocations, talking about, okay, how in government do we actually fix these things so they're not just a merry-go-round?
2: That's right.
1: Then at night, we're going to have a, a person get up and do a presentation on one of those three topics, sit down with two or three others, talk about it. Then we're going to say to the 20s or 30s, ask whatever questions you want. Because many of them tell me that I've walked with, I don't have a safe place to talk about this yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're going to say, ask whatever you want. Yeah. And let's start wrestling it through. And our, our leaders will say, we don't have all the answers to it, but we'll tell you where, where we are and what the That's word right. says. Yeah. But how do we walk it through? So I just wanted to expose that to you guys. This, this is our... our uh, inaugural year of this and each year we'll be adding other things, but feel free just to take a little snapshot of that if you want to so you can get more information about it. But if you have 20s and 30s in your life, please let us know, talk to them about it, we'd love to have them. All right. It's $599, that, costs, that covers a year. That's all their materials, that's all the training, that's their food and housing, there. that's all of it, and we have matching scholarships. All right, so if someone can come up with 300, we'll match you with 300 if they need it, okay? It's, it's, it's a way that we are trying to come alongside this generation that I think is awesome. They are awesome. They have more tools to use than, than we've ever had on the planet. Yes. And so how can we teach them to walk in the ways of God so that where God calls them in their homes and in society, they make a difference? Amen. So if you're interested, please let us know. Okay. So tomorrow, let me just close with this. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to deal with vocations, if, you, if you're if you going to be back with us. And and then the second session tomorrow will be with Laurie, and we'll deal with discipling kids. And we'll show you the, the manual here on, on for 6 to 10-year-olds. We have animation with it. We'll show you some of that tomorrow. And then we'll end tomorrow with the whole thing of relinquishing rights, which will kind of be a little bit more like today and talking about it. And how do we help people do that? All right.
3: Can I have one more thing to yep. strongholds just real quick, uh, just from my own experience and whatnot. Um, don't be afraid also to find out if there's something in the childhood yeah. that has marked them. Yeah. Because many of us, uh, Huge. you know, I, I, I had a friend in seminary at Moody who was, uh, addicted to pornography a girl because she found porn at eight and she wanted to be beautiful attractive and she felt she was ugly yeah and it's and it's a struggle for the rest of her life and most of us don't think of women struggling with porn but it had roots and she knew it sometimes they don't know it sometimes you have to help them think through well when did this really start yep Because otherwise they won't even see the lie of Satan until they see where it came from. I I heard the testimony of a man who became transgender because his parents were always fighting, never felt loved at home. The only love he ever got was grandma. She wanted a granddaughter. She dressed him in a blue dress, and that's the only time he felt loved. Jesus. Yeah, throughout his childhood. Yeah, we you can completely understand that story when you hear yeah. that why a fifty-year-old yeah. man is in a dress. Yeah, and you hear that harm from childhood. So don't be afraid to gently help them Yeah. maybe it's not but maybe it is yeah
1: it's ask questions but again to the degree you have relationship to that same degree they're going to be willing to open up their arms alright have a good night we'll see you guys tomorrow yeah
0: That was great stuff from Dave Buring and those from Lion Share. Up next, we're jumping into track session number two, where Dave is going to be talking about building leaders to shape generations. He's talking about how to disciple people in their vocation. I'm always fascinated by hearing Dave talk about that topic, so you're in for a real treat. If you haven't already, please click the subscribe button to this channel. I'd be very much appreciative of you doing that. And if you have a chance, please drop us a review and let us know how we're doing. All right, y'all enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope to catch you on the next episode. See ya.